Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Wednesday, October 4th. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. In tech news I'm watching, the Commerce Department should soon start funding microchip projects. Now that the government is still open, those plans can continue uninterrupted, at least for now. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo will provide a status report on that program to the Senate Commerce Committee today. I'll be listening for details on the rollout of the money and for new insights into the agency's efforts to cut off China's access to chip-making equipment. Elsewhere in Washington, Federal Trade Commission Chair Lena Khan is convening creatives to talk about the consequences of artificial intelligence. Khan has been quite busy lately, suing Amazon, for instance, but she has suggested that AI companies may raise competition concerns, and she certainly seems to be ramping up scrutiny of the industry. But here's the thing. There are only so many investigations and lawsuits the FTC can juggle at once. It's a small agency with limited resources, and that Amazon case, it will consume a lot of them, to say the least. And there was a headline that caught my eye a couple of years ago. PepsiCo was making Cheetos with AI. Seriously. Today, the snack and beverage giant is using AI in the development of all of its products, and the technology is rapidly transforming jobs at all levels of the company. Athena Kenyora is the driving force behind that change. As PepsiCo's chief strategy and transformation officer, she's leading a multi-year effort to infuse AI in nearly every part of the company, including jobs that are increasingly digitized and automated. On today's Politico Tech, Athena tells me that using AI to make employees faster and more efficient hasn't led PepsiCo to replace human workers, as many fear. And why the company has determined that in some jobs, the technology is simply off-limits. I know you're involved in a broad range of digitization, modernization efforts at PepsiCo. How much of your time right now is consumed with AI specifically? Firstly, I have to say AI is embedded in everything we do when it comes to digitalization. It's just uh, uh, we've started with more the traditional predictive AI, and now we are evolving to Gen AI. Um, In terms of the allocation of time and the effort, I would say you know, more and more increasingly when it comes to the technical aspects of the digital transformation, AI is pervasive. So 50% of what we do in the digital space has an AI component for two things, because we have already upgraded, especially think of our manufacturing facilities eh, with the power of automation and uh, with the OT platforms, the capability. So now we are putting with AI in smart manufacturing as one of the examples. So definitely it is um, now much more operationalized and uh, pervasive in every practical technology application that we have in the company. I know workforce upskilling and training has been a big priority as you've embraced AI, embraced digitization. I wonder if you might provide an example for me. Is there a job at PepsiCo, maybe outside of engineering specifically, that is very different now than it was a few years ago even because of AI? So a great example is a financial planner. I mean, in the past, financial planners have had multiple spreadsheets. They were doing consolidation of the 
you know, cost and then the data that comes from the uh, period results. And then they were planning what should be the next period sales and accordingly then what it does it mean from a profit, top line, bottom line, cash flow. What we have done, we have now provided our financial planners AI forecasting engine. So through the algorithm now, they are able to predict next period sales, volume, cash flow, and bottom line, cost of goods. That has unleashed an immense power for our financial planners now to be much more strategic in the thinking and are able now to do a job that was taking literally days from a consolidation to now getting the forecast in seconds. So the job has changed dramatically in terms of both the efficiency, but also the accuracy. The forecasts that we get from the AI uh, algorithm are much better than what they were doing plus the human intervention. So that's one uh, job family that has tremendously changed and uh, improved the experience of our employees. The second job families are drivers. I'm not sure you know, we have the second biggest fleet in the U.S., So we move our products straight from our uh, distribution centers to our customers or our consumers. We have embedded sensors in all our vehicles. We are tracking vehicle performance uh, across all the different parts for both predictive maintenance of the vehicles, but also health and safety controls to ensure an accident doesn't happen because the machine will break down, the machinery will break down. And at the same time, we have given them AI applications to do route optimization, what we call dynamic routing, real time. So uh, when they wake up, they have the optimal route that keeps changing depending on the conditions that are around them, all the external conditions. So that allows them to do their job better, but also faster. Well, I love that you gave those two examples of, you know, a a truck driver and a a financial planner, because so often in the past, when we've talked about automation and technology, we've always talked about in the context of changing manual labor jobs, blue collar jobs. And I I think it's reflective of the fact that AI is is transforming all different types of work. Um, So then if you take me through with that driver or with that financial planner, is the upskilling the same in terms of helping them adapt to this new technology and how they're using it? Um, and, and what does that side of the equation look like? We have foundational training, which is common across all our employees. Uh, when we say AI, what do we mean? What are the different parts of AI and how they are used responsibly? So basic definitions and practical examples that are cross-enterprise are common training for everyone. And then depending on your job spec, you have more vertical training, much more tailored training. So everyone can have a major and a minor. Because if you are obviously a truck driver, you need to understand applications that have geolocation and tracking mechanism on how we can use then data that come from both the BOS, the point of sales that we sell, but also external conditions, right? Even to a degree that they are able to interpret uh, weather data, right? And how that impacts the routing. And of course, mechanical data, insights that come from the vehicle itself. In the cases of the financial planners, it's much more the insight translation of the ML models as it relates to the different aspects of the planning process. So it's much more the interpretation of the model, number one, and the validation 
of the model. So their training is much more on the analytical aspect. Uh, so uh, my point is, uh, for every job family that we have embedded AI applications into their daily jobs, there is the horizontal foundational training which applies for probably 30% of the training they do in the new technologies, but 70% is customization, customized training for the job family they are in. And so with all the um, application of AI, the efficiency, you know, you've talked about that, uh, that bringing, even with the upskilling initiatives, I, I mean, have you had to reduce headcount? I mean, is there's all of this anxiety around AI displacing human workers has that manifested in any way for Pepsi? For Pepsi, it hasn't. Uh, for, and I'll tell you why it's not, it's not just a statement. I'll tell you the logic why it hasn't. We are a company that keeps growing and we have a very healthy growth in terms of our business, both in the U.S. and internationally. So we've said we, what we want is our employees to be more efficient, not be eliminated. So we don't believe in dislocation. We believe in augmentation. And as such, what we want to do is, can you do your job in a way that drives me more accuracy, more precision, and takes out waste and cost from the system, which then that impacts me positively, both top line and bottom line. So that's why, although we have increased the headcount, we don't, we haven't increased it at the same linear pattern like the growth that we have driven, i.e. top line and bottom line. Uh, otherwise, typically for an organization to grow, you grow 10% your top line, you will have to grow 10% your employees. We haven't done that. Reality is the target that we have is, can I have the maximum optimization and efficiency from the workforce I have I and still drive better performance for the company? And in critical areas, domains where I need to hire, I will hire more. For example, we are doubling down and we have been doubling down in software engineers in the company. And now prompt engineers as we are going to more Gen AI and uh, automation experts. We haven't stopped. Um, I think reality is many people forget that our supply chain people are engineers by design and academically. So it's, it was very easy for us to upskill those employees because we have a lot of employees who have a STEM background. I wonder if, you know, if you think more broadly, even beyond Pepsi, do you think these concerns about AI displacing human workers are overblown? Because there is so much discussion about this. It sounds to me from what you're saying that it's not a foregone conclusion that companies will replace a lot of human workers with, with AI. I'm definitely more optimistic than what people say about uh, displacing jobs. Um, I do believe that there are areas where uh, there is a genuine concern, especially in professions like communications, like legal, uh, even HR to a degree where a lot of the tasks can be fully automated. We didn't wait uh, Gen AI to come even before you could automate a lot of the manual tasks. But I don't believe that suddenly we will not have a comms organization or a legal function eh, within a department just because you can uh, pretty much with Gen AI write contracts. I do believe there's going to be a shaping, a different shaping of the job requirements in the sense that uh, employ employers moving forward would expect from their employees to have much more diverse skills. So this level of deep specialization will not be enough. You will need to be 
functional, knowledgeable, but you also need to have a very good understanding of technology and, uh, and capabilities that before wasn't in the curriculum of that job specs. Um, so I'm definitely optimistic and I do believe AI will create more jobs. And you will see a pivot from the discussion of, oh, you know, in the past technology was affecting blue-collar workers to, oh, now it's affecting more knowledge workers. And this is where we need to be careful. I mean, the, the promise of the past with the blue-collar workers, still I think there is, it was proven that it wasn't true. I mean, still we have, we have had jobs, even with automation, uh, that we needed. And I think it's going to be the same with AI. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. I wonder with the application of AI for Pepsi, there was a lot of attention on the use of AI for creating Cheetos, you know, in that in the process of how you develop Cheetos, the ingredient yeah, yeah. mix, cooking temperatures. Uh, what percentage of your products now are made with some some degree of AI in the process? In the whole R&D process, there is a component of AI everywhere. Everywhere. I, some of it is on mixology. Some of it is on a ingredient initial selection process aligned with consumer sentiment and consumer tastes. Uh, some of it is on um, innovation cycles. I, I can do things much faster because I'm using technology and 3D, etc., and AI to be able to simulate much faster. Uh, so pretty much in every aspect of R&D, there is a component of AI. Now, uh, um, QC, quality controls, uh, especially the standards. Anything that you see from uh, ingredient requirements, the digitalization of all the requirements and the classification and, and cognitive search that comes with that. So I would have to say that for our R&D professionals, it has unlocked immense value because now they can try you know, more combinations, they can take out tasks in domains that before they were like manuals up to here that they would have to go through because of all the safety regulation controls. Now there are search capabilities that can allow them to move much faster. So that's absolutely one function that has unlocked a lot of value. There are businesses who are sort of sitting on the sidelines right now, kind of watching AI to see where, where it goes, how it evolves. Do you think they're missing out? I believe that as long as you use AI responsibly, and that's why we established a responsible AI framework where we have traceability, transparency of how we use our data, our models, and the insights that come with that, the company shouldn't be worried. I mean, it's like still you have a, a human or a committee to supervise the responsible use of those models. And as long as you have the guardrails, then the technology is uh, is used for good. This is how, what we say in PepsiCo. Now, if you choose not to use technology, the gap between you and the ones that use will open further. Uh, and I do believe the companies that embrace technology, but again, use it responsibly, will be the companies that will stay and succeed in the future. 
and the companies that stay in the sidelines will be left behind. Whether we like it or not, technology innovation is so pervasive in every aspect of consumer, and ultimately we are here to serve our consumers. They want personalization, they want different experiences, they want engagement, they want a company that understands their needs real-time, very, very fast. You cannot be doing that in an analog way. You can only do that in a digital, real-time, AI-powered way. And that's why I'm saying the society needs it, wants it, and that's why companies need to embrace it. You said you use these guidelines um, when you're using AI and implementing AI to make sure it's done for good. I mean, are there examples of applications that you've decided don't sort of fit your your guidelines or are just not in, in line with Pepsi's own, own mission or, or values or what have you? Uh, yes, even hiring. I mean, that's a simple one. Um, as you know very well, the, the population sample, the sample that we have when it comes to identifying candidates externally, it's biased de facto. Uh, so we have made a decision with our HR organization. So when it comes to identification of candidates, there will always be a talent acquisition manager involved uh, in the selection process. And then, of course, you can use AI for uh, the value chain further down after you have identified the candidate for skill matching and, and compensation, et cetera, et cetera. But that's the one thing whenever we know that there is inherent bias in the data, AI will not be used. And hiring is one of those areas uh, for sure. The other area that we are extremely careful is on uh, personalized one-to-one targeting especially as it relates with products that are much more regional by nature. Also, we are very thoughtful that, you know, our values proposition should uh, apply for segments of the population and not just individuals. And and we don't want to exclude individuals. That's why personalization, one-to-one marketing communication and personalization is something that we're trying to avoid. The other question I have for you, I, I'm obviously based in Washington, D.C., um, and right now uh, every every lawmaker on Capitol Hill is trying to understand AI or uh, trying to regulate and figure out the best way for Washington to in- involve itself. As you think about your own guidelines, um, your own implementation of AI, is there guidance that would actually be helpful you know, from, from Washington that, that you as a business executive would kind of find useful as you set to, to put all this to work? Regulation is good in this space if it's responsible regulation and it doesn't stifle innovation. So anything that can set standards on how we govern those models, on how we track those models, and how we deploy those models is a great start. You don't have to regulate every platform, but you will need to have standards on how you govern the framework around AI, both in terms of build, but also deployment. Uh, We believe the government, and that's why so many committees have now now formed and bipartisan committees on this topic, has a responsibility to at least think of practical AI applications. Start with the applications, practical AI applications that... Uh, consumers are worried about or consumers are impacted in a daily basis. Start with those to ensure that there is a a framework of, um, I would say, responsible deployment of those applications and track backwards what does it mean from a data bias 
uh, as it as it comes to the implementation. And then gradually after you you start with some use cases or practical applications, I think then you can expand the scope to more enterprise wide AI decisions. Eh? Um, I think US needs practicality, and with practicality there will be uh, more regulation coming. Um, and we've seen what Europe is doing in other geographies, and uh, I think there, there are some learnings there as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again for joining Politico Tech. Thank you so much, Stephen. A pleasure. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll meet you back here tomorrow.